Just at the beginning of lockdown, Pip and I received some fantastic news. Uh, like the Prime Minister, we did a little dance. Then we went for a long walk through the park and talked about it. And it was the news that our eldest son and daughter-in-law, who live in Canada, and who said many years ago that they would not have children, rang us with the news that they were having a child. I bet there are many of us here who are waiting for the birth of a child. Not your own, necessarily, but within your family circle. I wonder how many in that category. Um, it's a wonderful feeling. Uh, a new little person coming into your life. Uh, a little person to cuddle and play with and relate to. And as we wait, the thing that sustains us is imagination and hope. We imagine an, an enlarged family. We imagine the love. We imagine the enrichment that this new person will bring. Promise and hope can sustain us through the dark times and make us smile and laugh. Uh, the name Isaac means laughter. According to our Old Testament reading, Isaac was the son of Abraham and Sarah, and when he was born, there was tremendous laughter and joy. Our Old Testament passage begins with Isaac when Isaac was in his third year, and he had just been weaned. Of course, in ancient cultures, this represented the end of the first stage of life because many young children would die before that age. But this was a celebration that Isaac had got through those first two or three years of life, and so there was great celebration. But partway through the party, Sarah saw her young son Isaac playing with his older half-brother Ishmael, and this did not please her. In verse 10, she said, Cast out the slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. Now, to give some context, we must go back 15 years to when Abraham was 84. And God had promised that he would be the father of a great nation. That's in Genesis chapter 12. And Abraham and Sarah had waited and waited for the fulfillment of this promise, but no child was forthcoming. And as the years dragged on, their hopes faded. I wonder how you would cope with having to wait such a long time. Well, Sarah decided to hatch a plan to give God's promise a nudge along uh, on the basis of God helps those who help themselves, you see. Have you ever felt tempted to do that? What God, when God seems to be inactive, you know, what on earth is, we have so much expectation, but God doesn't seem to be doing anything, you know, and so we take the bull by the horns and we force the issue sometimes. Anyway, Sarah arranged for her handmaid, Hagar, to go in with Abraham and sleep with him. And Hagar gave birth to a son, and they called him Ishmael. Now, Ishmael means God hears, which is ironic because God had not heard at all. The name was simply their attempt to justify their impatience by saying that God had heard their desire to see his promise fulfilled. So time went on, Ishmael grew, but unexpectedly, Sarah had a son of her own when Abraham was 100. The beginning of Genesis chapter 21 says that the Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah 
as he had promised, Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And so Isaac was born. Now Isaac was the son who fulfilled God's promise. He was the gift of grace and the destiny of God's people. Whereas Ishmael was born of human ideas, human effort, and human competence. Two boys, two destinies. Very much like the parable of the loving father in the New Testament, actually. The oldest son, you'll recall, stayed at home, did his duty, and never put a foot wrong. The youngest son spurned his father and strayed far from the family home, but at his lowest ebb realized that to be with his father was his true destiny. And he returned home and, surprisingly, was welcomed with grace, a ring, a robe, and sandals. Two sons, two destinies. The eldest son possessed the natural rights to the estate. He is entitled and feels he is owed something. The younger boy knows he has nothing to offer. And so the father's welcome is unexpected but full of grace. This is such a common theme in scripture. You can't earn the favor of God. You can't build up credit that you can then cash in with God somehow. Relationship with God is a gift. And we need to lay down what we have in our hands so that we can receive what God has for us. There can be no entitlement, no privilege, only gift in contrast to human effort. I was speaking to a young Christian lad just last week, and he said that he came to faith in God. Um, He told me about the circumstances, etc. And although there were things that he wanted to find out about Christianity, he realized he had to set aside all of those questions at a certain point. The questions were good, but he knew that there was a point at which those answers couldn't carry him further forward. And the most important thing for him was to yield to God, along with all these questions and concerns that he had. And that was the moment when faith began to grow in his heart. His eyes were opened, and he... Received that gift, you see. So you see, he received faith as a gift from God. It was very exciting to hear this young man tell me this account, actually. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, There are more twists and turns in this narrative. And we kept guessing as to what on earth God is doing here. You see, the narrative in Genesis is not a straight line. There is a lot of twists and turns, but God, nevertheless, continues carrying forward his purposes. But it's in the twists and turns that make the story interesting and also reveals something more about the way God deals with the human community. So we've heard that Sarah wants her handmaid, Hagar, and her son Ishmael to be gone. She doesn't want Ishmael to compete with Isaac for the privilege of God's promise. She doesn't want the constant reminder, perhaps, of her own impatience and attempt to force God's hand. Ishmael must go. And so she tells Abraham, 
to drive them both away. What a terrible verse that is. I'm sure it sort of shocked you when you heard it. But hold it. Ishmael is Abraham's oldest son. This is not straightforward. Abraham is distraught. However, God speaks to him and says, Do not be distressed because of the boy. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. So Hagar and Ishmael are driven out into the desert, albeit with bread and water which Abraham has supplied. So she goes out knowing that it will only be a matter of time before they both succumb to the oppressive heat. Those who have been to the Holy Land will know that to survive in the desert, you must drink constantly. We experienced that when we were there a few years ago. It's hard for us here in New Zealand to appreciate how hot it is and how important water is in that context. But after placing Ishmael in the shade of a bush, she withdraws a distance so as not to see her son die. But then an angel of God spoke to her and said, What troubles you, Hagar? Sometimes the questions are so silly. You think, it's obvious, but often it's the response that is being called out of a person that's most important. What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. And then her eyes were opened, and she saw a well of water, and they were saved. So what do you make of this? Hmm. Well, we're faced in this narrative with the aftermath, you see, of human wisdom. The birth of Ishmael is not according to God's initial plan. However, he is still the son of Abraham. The human reaction is to simply get rid of them both, to drive them away. The simple, straightforward method, or so we think, quick, clean, clinical. But is it really that simple? What do you think? We've all made mistakes in life, haven't we? And many mistakes involve people. And these mistakes can be messy. And there can be hurt and rejection and sometimes estrangement. And it's at those times that we're tempted to just sweep the board, to clean the slate, to start over. But, of course, we can't because there are people involved. It's simply not that straightforward. And that happens in the church at times. At work, within families, there may be hurt over certain actions, but we're still related to that person. And we can't just drive them away, as Sarah tried to do. Instead, we're actually called to patiently work through our difficulties and relationship problems. They, they'll follow us if we don't take the serious time to address them and work toward reconciliation and healing. Sometimes it, the other person doesn't want a bar of it, but we are called to keep in relationship and keep working toward that reconciliation. And so we find that God, far from writing out Ishmael from the story of his people, blesses him. God says in verse 13 that I will make a great nation of him also because he is your offspring. 
And again in verse 20, it says, God was with the boy. And tradition tells us that Ishmael became the father of at least some of the Arab peoples to this day, the Ishmaelites. So we see an important dimension to the purposes and character of God here. At one level, we critique the whole notion of the election of the people of Israel uh, as God's special people. The one nation in the Old Testament singled out as a recipient of God's grace. Why the narrow focus on Israel, we might ask? But is this really the case? We see in the blessing of Ishmael that God's blessing is in fact wider than we realize. God blesses the outcast. God saves Hagar and Ishmael from the desert. God gives them life and promises them a future. And there are a series of very interesting juxtapositions in the text that you may have noticed as well. It's a very clever piece of writing. The weaning of Isaac is celebrated with laughter and song, but Ishmael is driven out from God's people into the desert. And if you've been to the desert, uh, it's very quiet. Laughter, silence. Isaac is consistently named as the child of promise. But did you notice that Ishmael is not named at all in our passage? You need further context to know that that's the name of the child. He is simply called the son of Hagar or the boy. Named versus ignored, unnamed, you see. And finally, the outcast one, the unnamed one, the silent one, the one who represents the folly of human effort and conspiracy, you see, nevertheless inherits a blessing from God without inheritance versus blessed. I want to close with the following story. Imagine a group of children in a room playing with Lego blocks. And they're building a village. At first, things go well. They cooperate and make progress. But then there's conflict and tears, and in the end, they smash all their buildings. I've seen that happen. Now, at this stage, many parents would swoop and take away the Lego, punish the perpetrators, and put them in separate rooms. You know, that's the instinctive reaction of some of us. But a wise parent sees the mess and the tears, and instead of banishing the children, they get down on their hands and knees soothes them and helps them to build again, teaching them to cooperate, solve problems, and experience the deep joy of redemption. And the worse the conflict, in some ways, the sweeter the redemption. When there's a relationship breakdown, the temptation is to wipe the slate clean and to move on. But God's ways are different. God works patiently within this messy matrix of human impatience and failure to bring about grace and healing and redemption. So I close with three questions. Think about these personally. Do you have faith that God is at work in all kinds of ways in conventional people like Isaac, but also the outsiders in your life, the Ishmaels? Second question, do you have hope to keep trusting that God's good purposes are being carried forward in spite of appearances to the contrary sometimes? And thirdly, do you have love so that when there's hurt, 
you work towards reconciliation. Faith, hope, and love. These are qualities God calls forth from us. Are these qualities growing in your life? Let us ask God for grace to develop and nurture these qualities in us all. Amen.